1 Kings. What do you do when you scrape the bottom of the barrel? I don't know. Maybe some of you know literally what that feels like to, to scrape the bottom of the barrel. Where your, your resources are just about gone. Um, it, it might be... Um, it might be groceries. I, I will tell you the truth. We, we went through a, a week of camp meeting being gone and then uh, came home and turned around very quickly through some things in the, in the van and headed out the very next day. Uh, it, was, it felt like we were setting some kind of records. I'm not sure. Um, and we got home last evening, and, um, you know, we, you can get by uh, with a lot less than, you ha- than, you, than you're used to if you really have to. Uh, you know, we don't really need all of the things that we think we need. Um, <laughs> and we found ourselves today just, you know, getting by. Uh, we've got a f- we've got a few things. We've got enough in the refrigerator, enough in the in the pantry, uh, just to get by. But we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. Maybe you know what it's like to have the bills coming due, and not to know where that uh, where those dollars are coming from. Sometimes you end up with a whole lot of month left at the end of the paycheck, and uh, you just wonder, how am I going to get by? How am I going to make it through? What do you do when you scrape the bottom of the barrel? The story in 1 Kings chapter 17 um, is about a widow lady. Some of you know this story, I'm sure. She was scraping the bottom of the barrel, and then if it were not enough to be already at the end of her resources, uh, she was called upon to supply for somebody else. Let's read about it. First Kings chapter 17, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that is to Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now that's a real bright outlook on life, isn't it? The best she had to hope for. This is how close to the bottom of the barrel she was. The best she had to hope for was just enough 
uh, flour in the bottom of the barrel, a little flour in a jar, a little oil in a jug. She was going to go mix that together, make a little, little, you know, what can you make with a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil? Wouldn't, couldn't taste very good. Maybe, hopefully, she had a hand, uh, a little bit of salt or something to give it some flavor or something. Um, but that was the best she had to hope for, to make a little, a little, a little, probably a hard lump of, of something kind of like bread. And uh, that's all she had left. She said, I'm going to go prepare it for myself and my son, and then we're going to eat it and then sit down and wait to die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, don't be afraid, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Now, people, that's impossible in man's economy. In man's way of thinking, that's impossible. But a God who can speak the world into existence, a God who can create the world out of nothing, a God whose son Jesus can come along and take a, a, a little boy's picnic lunch and feed thousands of people with it, a God who can do that can surely take a little handful of flour and a little jar of oil and cause that somehow to, to never run out. I, I just imagine in my mind every time she went to that place of provision, that little jar, that, that little vessel of flour and the little vessel of oil, that every time she scrapes it out, there's just enough to make what is needed for the prophet and for her and for her son, and somehow, when she goes back the next time, again, the next time, there is just enough for what she needs for the prophet, and for herself, and for her son. And the word says they ate for many days. What do you do? What do we do when we're scraping the bottom of the barrel? I look at this story, and I see the story of a woman, uh, a, a widow, a mother. Uh, widows in this time uh, in world history were very bad off. Um, a, a woman uh, in uh, Israelite culture, in ancient Israelite culture, uh, was in reality a second-class citizen. If she did not have a husband or a father or a son to care for her, to provide for her, uh, then really she was up against it. She had no, uh, no way of earning a living, no way of providing for herself, and apparently in this story her son was too young 
to, uh, to provide for her. And so she's at the end of her resources, and she says, uh, as the prophet comes, not only she, she doesn't have enough for herself and for her son uh, to, to continue eating, but now the prophet calls on her, and uh, God has told the prophet, this lady is going to provide for her. In fact, it, it, the, the scripture says, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. I've always been curious about that part of the story. Uh, apparently, God's message to the widow came through the prophet. Um, the scripture says that God told the widow, God, I've commanded the widow, but apparently she didn't know anything about it until the prophet came and spoke to her. And so God's message came to her through the prophet. And so what does she do? When, when God speaks, when anyone speaks, what should we do? Well, the first thing that we ought to do is to listen. To listen. I think especially it's important to consider the voices and the messages that you are listening to when you are scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, when you are in that place of limited uh, provision and limited resources and, and you don't necessarily know where to turn or what to do, the voices that you listen to are, are very important. <clears throat> I have to be honest with you and tell you, um, my, my internal voice. You, you know, do you ever, you have discussions with yourself? You know what I mean? I mean, ho hopefully not out loud. I heard one guy say, I, you know, I talk to myself, but I get so tired of the silly answers. Um, <clears throat> somebody else said, I, I, I like having intelligent conversations. That's why I talk to myself. Um, <laughs> whichever way you look at it. My internal voice uh, tends to see the glass always half empty, tends to always see the negative. And it is, it is a challenge for me to see the, the positive, to see the, the, the idea that I can have faith, that I can trust God, that I can believe in God when everything around me and all of my circumstances and, and uh, what I have available to me says you're, you're at the bottom, you're running out, your provisions are running dry, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel and after this all you have to hope for is one last meal. And then you just sit down and wait to die. Uh, I, I can identify with that. But what did the prophet say? Really, it's, uh, uh, as I said, I believe it's God speaking through the prophet. Said to her, do not fear. Do not fear. When we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, are, you even, are we even able to hear the voice that says, do not fear? Sometimes, like Peter, when Jesus comes walking on the water, you remember that story? The disciples are in the boat, and Jesus comes walking on the water, and Peter says, Lord, if that's really you, you call to me, and, so I'll, and I'll come out walking on the water to meet you. 
And Jesus said to Peter, come. And Peter stepped out. And I, I, would, have, I would love to have seen the expression on Peter's face when he took that first step and found that the water was solid and supporting him. Would have been astounding. Um, we tend to criticize Peter uh, a lot, but, uh, you know, Peter... To be fair, he was the only person besides Jesus that ever walked on water. He really did it. But then he got distracted by the circumstances, the conditions, the storm around him to such a degree that he lost sight of Jesus. And he began to sink. He began to go down. And I, I don't the scripture indicates he began to sink, and what I have in my mind is just this gradual kind of sinking down. But I'm not sure it happened that way. I, I kind of think when he lost sight of Jesus, it, it was just blah, 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 blah. He was just down in the water. Lord, help me. I am drowning. Um, he... he Jesus was right there. Jesus was right there in the storm. Yes, there was a storm, but Jesus was there. And somehow he lost sight. Um, reminds me of another passage of Scripture, the two, uh, the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus that we read about in the last chapter of the book of Luke. And they were talking amongst themselves about how Jesus had died. And, and the scripture says, Jesus himself drew near, but their eyes were, were veiled so that they could not recognize that Jesus was with them. What is the voice that you listen to when you are scraping the bottom of the barrel? Elijah said, do not fear. Uh, can you hear the voice that says, do not fear? I guarantee you, if all you can see is the empty barrel, the empty vessel of oil, or whatever your circumstance involves, if that's all you can focus on, you will not be able to hear the voice that says, do not fear. You will not be able to realize or remember that there is a God in heaven who loves you and knows you and knows all about your circumstances and your problems and is actually present in your problems, whether you realize he's there or not. He is there. He is present. Elijah said, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake and bring it to me and afterward make something for yourself. You know, this takes listening a step further because there is listening and there is also hearing. You know, you can sometimes listen without hearing and hear without listening. Um, and we need both. We need both to listen and to hear, to, to be able to absorb and receive what we have been told. And this brings us to a point of believing. 
believing. The first thing to do when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel is to listen and figure out what voices are you listening to. Listen not to your own internal voice, not to the voices of the enemy that would try to be a discouragement around you, but listen rather to the voice of God and his word and the voice that tells you not to be afraid. And then believe. Then believe the voice. Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself. For thus says the Lord, here's, here's what this widow lady was called on to believe. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, the jug of oil shall not be empty. In other words, somehow, supernaturally, that supply is going to, it's just going to be there. It's going to continue. Uh, and uh, God will provide. God will provide. And that's what she was called on to believe. Something that seems really impossible to us, but she believed it. She believed it. How do you know she believed it, preacher? Well, here's how I know she believed it. Because she obeyed. She did what the prophet said. She went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days, and the jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. What do you do when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel? And uh, it might be, um, it might be a, a, an actual physical material need. Uh, it might be an emotional, uh, some kind of discouragement, depression, or what have you. Or it might be, it might be a spiritual issue. Um, Every now and then, you run across those people that feel as if they've done too much, they've gone beyond the grace of God. What do you do when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel? Well, you listen. Stop listening to the voices that would tell you that your life is over and hope is gone. But listen, rather, to the voice that says, don't fear, only believe, and then obey. Do what God calls upon you to do. And then he will provide. He will provide. Dr. H.C. Morrison was a Wesleyan Methodist preacher. The end of the 1800s, early part of the 1900s, he was the president of Asbury College and Seminary two different times. And um, <clears throat> one day, Dr. Morrison was sitting in his office when an old gray-haired doctor of medicine walked in and said to him, Dr. Morrison, I would like to tell you how I know for a certainty that there is a God in heaven who hears and answers prayer. And that old gray-haired doctor of medicine began to tell Dr. Morrison this story. He said, when I was a boy, my mother was widowed at a young age and left I forget, something like five or six children, something like that. And uh, my mother, he said, was a woman of faith, but 
He said, when I came down to breakfast one morning, I think the, the, the man was maybe just eight or so years old, just a young boy. He said, I could tell by the look on mother's face that something was wrong. There was a problem. And uh, he said her, her countenance was downcast and she was concerned about something. And so after she had prepared a little bit of breakfast for us children, I watched that she didn't eat anything herself. And she left the house and went out down a little path through into the woods to a place where she was accustomed to going for prayer. And he said, as just a little boy, I noticed, noticing the look, the, the expression of concern on her face, I was bothered by that, and it, it wasn't like uh, my mother to, to be like that, so I followed her to her place of prayer and listened as she began to pray and tell the Lord, Lord, I've used up the last bit of groceries, the last bit of meal uh, that we have in the pantry, and there's nothing left to, to provide for the children. There's no more meat in the larder. I don't know if you know what a larder is, but that's the numbers of years ago, before we had refrigeration and all of that. It's how they used to keep their meat fresh. And, and uh, no more meat in the larder, she said. We're just down to nothing. And she said, winter is coming on, and the children have no shoes for the winter. And she said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't have the money. I don't have any way to provide. But, Lord, I'm trusting you. And that little boy watched as his mother poured out her heart and poured out her needs. And, and he said, I could tell about the time she came to the conclusion of her prayer. Uh, he knew she was finishing up. And so he said, I got up from where I was hiding and, and listening and watching as mom prayed. And I ran back to the house to, to finish my breakfast. And when mom came back in, he said she came back in with a different countenance than what she had when she left. She came back in with a smile on her face and a, and a, a, a humming a tune, a, a, a hymn of praise. And uh, he said he could tell uh, that she was trusting God. It wasn't very long, he said, some time passed. A little while later that very day, about mid-morning, a wagon came by and stopped in front of uh, their house. And someone came in and said uh, uh, to the widow lady, she said, we don't want to uh, uh, offend you in any way. Uh, but they said, we have been to the mill and we have had far too much flour ground. We, we've got more than we need. And we wondered if you could use some mill, some of that flour. And uh, that old gray-haired doctor of medicine talking with Dr. Morrison said, my mother assured them that they would not have their feelings hurt. And they said they brought in bags of, of freshly ground flour and filled up our barrel right to the top. They left and went on their way and said, the, the, that, that little boy, he said, well, there's the flour. For the meal, that's what we need for bread. And 
He said it wasn't very long, a little while past, uh, a little while after that, a few hours later, when another wagon going by their home stopped by and said, we have been butchering today and we've got more meat than we can use. Uh, could you use some of that meat? And, and he said, my mother assured them that that would be a blessing. They would be very grateful. And they said they began to bring in hams and, uh, and various cuts of meat and began to fill their larder up until it was filled right up to the top. And that old gray-haired doctor of medicine said to Dr. Morrison as a little boy, he said, I said, well, there's the meal and there's the meat. He said, I wonder when the shoes are going to get here. He said that was how much so far that had just boosted and encouraged his faith, seeing already how God had worked to provide in seemingly a supernatural, in a supernatural way, something they hadn't told anybody or asked anybody about their needs. The story continued later on that evening. Someone uh, stopped by and uh, said to the widow lady, I, I was passing by your house and thought of your children and remembering that winter is coming on and that your children might need shoes. He said, I have freshly tanned hides, skins in my barn, and I'm a pretty fair cobbler. Take straws and measure your children's feet for shoes, and I will make each one of them a pair of shoes for the winter. And that, by that time, that old gray-haired doctor of medicine had tears trickling from the corners of his eyes and said to Dr. Morrison, Dr. Morrison, that's why I know that there is a God in heaven who hears and answers prayer. Friends, what do you do when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel? Be careful the voices that you listen to. The enemy of our soul may try to come up to you and discourage you with the problems, the circumstances of life. He does it to me, I know, and say, There's, you're, you're going to run out. There's not going to be enough. You won't be able to provide for yourself or your family or whatever the need is. Don't listen to that voice, but rather turn to God's word and hear very clearly that voice of that one who says, don't be afraid. We have a heavenly father who sees you even the little sparrows when they fall from their nest. And you are of much more value than many sparrows. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Listen, hear that voice, and believe. Believe to the point of obedience. And sometimes obedience seems costly. Can I just remind you of that? This widow woman in the story, she was called on first to make a cake for the prophet. My, my inclination, my temptation would be to say, let me feed myself and my son first, and then if I have something left, I'll be glad to give it to you. But that's not what the voice of God through the prophet called on her to do. The voice uh, from, uh, from the Lord through the prophet said, you make me a cake first, and then you make for yourself and for your son. Sometimes obedience can seem costly. But friends, when God is at work, and when God is speaking, and we are listening, and we are walking in faith, can I tell you it is always safe. 
it is always safe to trust that voice. It's always safe to trust the voice of God. Listen and believe and obey. And even though you may be scraping the bottom of the barrel every time, you'll never come to the end of the provision. God will always provide. Praise His name. Let's